the victim mentality is a problem of ego. It's actually the same ego of the arrogant person is the ego of the person that's a victim. These circumstances are harder or worse than everyone else around them. Like the, the whole world revolves around them. It's right. still ego. It's a mental health pandemic mm -hmm. of our society is selfishness. It is the reason people are depressed. Yep. Selfishness. It's the, it's the erosion of confidence. It's the mm -hmm. erosion of aptitude. It is like a state of entropy mm -hmm. for yourself. This is like a, a simple, okay, you want your life to be easier? This is how you do it. Yep. Right? Okay, well, welcome to the Built to Lead podcast. Um, we have our guest today, Tim Tribble, um, a good friend and a pastor at Parallel Church in Lethbridge. Yeah. Um, Tim and I had had a conversation we were thinking about a little over a year ago um, where Tim had asked me a bunch of questions and we had a long discussion about um, money, finances, and kind of a lot of factors that are around those things. And I, it was, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. As did I, yeah. Um, so I, I thought, man, we should, I wished that we had recorded yeah. it at the time, <laughs> but I thought, man, there's no, no, I still have the questions and we still have our thoughts. So it, yeah. it just makes sense to do it again. So welcome. Thank Tim. you so much and, for having me. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, let's roll. Let's do it. I, I think when we first initially met, one of the questions that I was on the top of my mind is that when we talk about, how you see things determines what you do with it. Um, I think looking and knowing our relationship, I've watched how you've managed what's been entrusted you, with you. And I think one of the questions that came to mind is like, how is it that you've developed this, this perspective of finances and resources in a way that it allows you to multiply and create excess out of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, my mindset changed like as, I, as I've, been given more to be a steward of let's say right um is that money is just one aspect right like there's the pure dollars but it's just a re money is a tool and it's a resource but we have all kinds of resources to us we have our time we have money we have assets we have our energy we have right. all these other things and so being a good steward of those things is, is a like a like a, an umbrella over all things that way. So it needs to be a mindset over top of it. Um, but money has like a spiritual attachment to it as well. Totally. Which um, I guess people just don't appreciate that it's there sometimes. And so then when it affects them and they get tied to um, money or they become, they change from, there's the two mindsets that I think is a key that we want to get into with this podcast, which is the mindset of stewardship versus the mindset of ownership. Yeah. Right. And when we have an ownership mindset, it's all about what we can get, what we have, how we can use it, how we can get more. Um, and it's about us. It's an us thing. Right. And so the more that we look in on ourselves, the more depressing life gets, the more unfulfilled we are by things like money. You know, right. Some of the wealthiest people in the world are some of the most miserable people in the world, <laughs> right? And some of the poorest people in the world, like when you go to like a place like Africa or in my case, we've done orphanage work in Mexico yep. um, and you go and live in that environment and at that poverty line and level, the most shocking thing that you find there coming from a first world country is that they're actually quite happy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, shockingly. It's shocking. And it's like it totally hits you right in the heartstrings because mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, well, I came down here because we just think these people are just like all laying around in a circle dying of starvation. And in reality, they're living a full life. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's definitely problems and they have bad attachments to money too. But the happiness and the joy and fulfillment that we get to live in our life is not tied to how much money we have. Right. 
right? Yeah, and oftentimes when you like you talk about those ex- those trips that you go to these different countries, like a lot of times you leave with more value than what you actually oh, left. Yeah. So you could, you think you're coming and bringing resources, but you're leaving with a brand new perspective on the contentment of what you already have. Yeah, and so like you come back and you come into your first world country <laughs> and your big fancy car and your big fancy house and yeah. and it, you like you lose touch with it very quickly. Yeah, but I. I'd hope that most people that do that, and if people can take something away from this, is that that fulfillment does not come from acquiring more money. Right. Right. Yeah. And the more we hold things, the more tightly we hold things, the more God tends to take them away or challenge us on those things. Yeah. Um, I, for me, like I, I have a bit of a truck fetish. No. <laughs> yeah, it's hard <laughs> to believe. Say. Um, I like my big, my big dually trucks <laughs> and my old Chevys and my old Fords and and like I have quite a few. And and God has really challenged me at times on that. It's like, okay, it's okay to have nice stuff, to like nice stuff, sure. but whose stuff is it really? That's right. Right. What is it so precious to you that you're going to protect it? And when somebody needs to borrow your truck to to go do something, or or the kingdom needs something of yours to yeah. use for the betterment and furthering of the kingdom or God's purpose, are you going to hold it back like it's yours, or are you going to use it for the ultimate purpose that right. it was for? Yeah. Right. What is it for? Yeah. Right. And whose is it really? Yeah. I think a lot of times, like we ask for stuff to be brought into our lives, or we'll we'll. We'll see God about it. And then suddenly he gives it in. And then he's also begging the question. It's like, would you be willing to give this up for my sake? Mm-hmm. Like if I yeah. need it, if you need to. Yeah. Is this an idol? Right. Like that is what idolatry is really. Totally. It's when you start holding things above God. Yeah. Right. And so if if you're going to God asks you if you're willing to give this up and you go, mm, you, you don't even have to say, give an answer. You can feel that mm, twinge in your gut. It's like, oh, I don't really want to lend that guy that yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, what if he wrecked it? Oh, well, you like there's another part of this that is a spiritual side of money is the the abundance versus scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's an orphan mentality is often what we talk about, right? So the orphan mentality is it's all me. I never have enough. I'm never going to have enough. There's only there's scarcity that this is the only time I'm going to ever have something. Yeah. Or God has an abundance mindset. God has a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. That's right. There's no limit to God's access to resources. He yeah. doesn't need you. Yeah. The there's a book that I like to reference. It's called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And I was just reading my notes on it before this because it there's these two books that have really impacted me over the years. I gave mm. them to you, you did. Then. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing um, book. Yeah. And and. It, and the statement he made in it that has really impacted me is that God doesn't need you to give. You need to be blessed. Right. And in order for you for you to be blessed, you need to let these things flow through your hands and to give them away so that you can break that spirit of ownership yeah. and, and attach to a spirit of stewardship so that God can turn around and bless you with more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there. So hey. good. That's question number one. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Um like we've had our conversations too about like your your upbringing where you guys came from and i've had lots of conversations with your family about that like i wonder if tomorrow if you started from nothing like what are the disciplines or behaviors that you would keep that you know now to ensure that you would have a productive future from nothing yeah so on this podcast the first three podcasts that we did are uh, one's core values vision and mission and Mm -hmm. then now you are the limiting factor um which i kind of we're not we didn't hit that hard on this particular one but it's dis, discipline and work ethic is another part of that is you limit yourself by not having discipline yeah. and not working hard so if i was going to start over tomorrow i would do those things first i would go okay what are our core values what is the ultimate mission that god has for us to do 
what is the vision that what is god's vision for our life and how mm -hmm. we're going to accomplish it and then what am i going to do yeah about it what do i have to be what do i have to become what disciplines do i need to have like how am i going to hold myself accountable to do the best that i can give god 110 of what i got yeah right? what do you have to let go of yeah i'm gonna have to let go of and so that that's what i would do day one you strip me to nothing i would sit down and i would get those things figured out and yeah. i would start from there yeah yeah um with that what has been like if you were to start from nothing obviously that's not just an easy place to go from and a lot of people get stuck in the mental battle mm -hmm. um what has been the biggest mental battle that you've had to overcome when it comes to resources when it comes to finances the biggest mental battle is it's been a lot of years of business and a lot of years of learning um i started working with my dad when i was 16 mm -hmm. got married when i was 18. um so i had a lot of no knowledge when i started and a lot of new challenges to learn about so um the journey's been interesting and when i look back um i really appreciate the journey that we've been through and all of the things that were i was taught mostly through kicking and screaming and dragging yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> of my mindset so the biggest mental battle ultimately at the end of the day is i'm a big control freak i like to be in control i want control i think most people want control you want to control your environment you want to control your income you want to control the people around you you right. want everything to go the way you think you have it planned um and the reality is we just have so little control yeah of what actually is going to happen and so when you if if you don't have god in your life and you don't trust him with the things that are out of your control, mm -hmm. then that's freaking scary. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, scares yeah. you to death, right? But when you actually turn and appreciate that that God is in control and that everything is for your good and that His vision and His opportunity for your life is so so much better than anything you're going to drum up, yeah. then you kind of stop trying to control it so much and start trying to look for the opportunity and look for the direction and the vision that God God is going to take you on, and and then from there control the things that you are in control of yeah so good right yeah. control your discipline control your routine control what you put in and you your body control what you put in your head control what you put out yeah right those are the things you actually have control of control how you love your neighbor control what you give control how much time you spend on what things like you have control of those things but you don't have control on outcomes you can't control other people right um you can't control the economy you can't control most things yeah right and so when you give up that control but you give it to god you can have peace in yeah. that moment right? in in all of the the chaos and then look expectantly for the positive that's going to come out of mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. we do our part he does his right so yeah. i was thinking of that book the one life solution by henry cloud and mm -hmm. he talks about just doing a calendar audit and looking at the things that are in, that are in your control and the amount of time like you and i we're pretty equal on the amount of time of day that we are given but how we use that time is very, very different, yeah. right? And if it's not in your calendar, it's obviously not a not a priority because that is, yeah, yeah. So. And then intentionality to that end, right? It's yes. Like I think I think so many people live in this state of like they're so unintentional. Mm -hmm. Ninety five percent of people aren't that intentional. It's autopilot. Things. Yeah, they're just wake up in the morning and let things happen to them, right? And when you're letting things happen to you, you're you're opening the window to 
the devil's version of what yeah. wants to go in your life. To, you're opening the window to, well, whatever negativity gets put in, I'm going to turn through that. Whatever negative dialogues happen in my day, whatever impacts that come at me, they are just what they are. And I guess I'm just going to roll with whatever it is. And when things don't, like, things go bad and go bad and go bad, and we just go, I'm a victim. Yeah. These oh, things goodness. are just happening. Yeah, to me. the it's victim not my mentality. Fault. I'm not going to take responsibility for it. Um, and it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. Right. And I just, I can't relate to that. Like it just it drives me <laughs> crazy now. And and I, I understand that that's the majority of the way that people think, but I don't understand how you can just stay there and just, it's got to feel so. And accept that for years and years. So demoralizing. Yeah. To just be the victim at all times. Something I read the other day, I thought was crazy um, perspective is that the victim mentality is a problem of ego. Hmm. It's actually the reverse problem of the ego of that, you know, I'm the best, I'm the biggest, everything, I'm never at fault or blah, 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 blah. It's actually the same ego of the arrogant person is the ego of the person that's a victim. Still has narcissistic values. they don't want to take responsibility for what's happening to them and they think that these circumstances are harder or worse than everyone else around them. Like the the whole world revolves around them. It's still ego. It's just the opposite version of what we all think of as ego typically is that that narcissistic, psychopathic, crazy leader, powerhouse guy that's taking advantage and working everything to his thing because everything's about him. Well, everything's about you when you're a victim too. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I have some mentoring meetings that I have with gentlemen and I'm, I'm just, when I'm sitting down with them and they're talking about, it, it's like, man, this is happening and this is happening. And like, I don't, I don't understand why I'm feeling this and me, 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 me. I'm like, how much of your calendar is actually spent outside of yourself? Like where in your mm-hmm. calendar are you giving outside of your life to benefit others? Mm-hmm. Like I guarantee you, if you were to accumulate those hours and actually invest instead of being, woe is me, the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to be intentional about these next four hours of my day. I'm going to go serve somebody else how that void and how your perspective would flip and make you realize that your problems aren't so small. Your life really isn't about you. It's about mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I talk about that and I've experienced this so many times with people within our organization where they are so self-focused. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just, everything is just them and they're blind. Yeah. Like they're walking around looking at a mirror or a phone or like just their worldview gets so closed and it's like, we understand like the natural inclination is to be selfish. Mm-hmm. But the more you look in, the more you focus on yourself, the more me, 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 the more depressed you become. Yeah. It's a mental health pandemic mm-hmm. of our society yeah. is selfishness. It is the reason people are depressed. Yep. Right? It's selfishness. The, it's the erosion of confidence. It's the mm-hmm. erosion of aptitude. It is like a state of entropy mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah. And biblically speaking, it's, relying on our own strength yes when it's us 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 it's also me 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 that has to save myself mm-hmm. it's me 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 that has to make things happen and i fall into this at times too in in businesses like okay well i gotta make this deal happen i gotta make this problem go away i gotta solve this for someone else's problem yeah it's me that has to do it i'm you start throwing the backpack on okay i'm gonna get this you throw yeah. another backpack on. i'm gonna get this it's all me and then you're just like being crushed by it all and you're just going ah, i'm not capable you realize that i'm not strong enough yeah and then that's when you get real sad yeah. oh i'm <laughs> i guess i'm not cut out for i'm this. not that good yeah. i'm not capable it's i'm not enough and we aren't but when you turn outward and you look outward and you see god and know that god is capable yeah and god can do it and he's responsible and he says that he'll take it on mm-hmm. 
for us. If we just give it to him, he'll take it. Well, then our burden gets light. That's right. Right. And in the process of looking out, you also look at other people and you serve them and you help them and you have gratitude for what you are given because you see the challenges other people are facing and you help them out of those challenges. And guess what? You're not depressed. You're not lonely. You're not dealing with all these actually issues. feel somewhat on purpose you're just yeah. like oh wow well, purpose yeah. and fulfillment don't come by looking in they no. only come by looking out. that's right yeah so good yeah when you talk about um just habits and disciplines what are the habits and language let's talk about like generational wealth and let's talk about your family so what are the habits and disciplines that you have when it comes to your kids in particular when it comes to setting them up well for the future mm-hmm. yeah so the last time we talked about this, you you sideswiped me with this question, and, <laughs> and I realized that I didn't think about it enough. Yeah. Like my kids are uh, right now today 10, uh, 11, or 10, 12, and 13. Wow. Um, and they're in very um, impressionable ages. And it's <laughs> this time in their life where I, I only have a few years of opportunity remaining, and they're really important ones because they can perceive and they'll the truths that they live by for the rest of their lives are potentially That's putting right. their foundation in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I realized in that conversation that I was really missing the mark there as a, as a dad. And so then I also went back um, after that and I looked, okay, well, how did my dad and my mom mm impart those things into me because I think I turned out reasonably all right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what did they do? And so the way I looked at it is one understanding, uh, giving and tithe when it comes to money, when yeah. we're talking about money, we're talking about wealth, we're talking about resources. Um, God says, give the tithe. It's, it's pretty straight up, straightforward. Some people say, Oh, that's old, old Testament stuff. And I'm just like, well, the, the world was made and the Bible pretty much laid out how it all works for you. So you can either listen to the way it works and make yeah. it easier for yourself, yeah. or you can do it the way you think you want to do it. And it can be challenging. Yeah. This is like a, a simple, okay, you want your life to be easier. This is how you do it. Yeah. Right. And I even heard a guy say the other day, <laughs> and I have to appreciate this, he said, it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not. This is how the world works. God laid it out in the Bible. If you follow the rules of certain things, you'll get the same outcomes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe in God for the way the world works to no. keep working the way the world works. So if people give, then money comes back to them. That's right. It's not about it's natural faith, yeah. right? Like it's the way, the, the rule of reciprocity is almost like gravity, mm-hmm. right? It's just how it works. God made it that way. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like <laughs> sort of burst your bubble. Yeah, but that's just gonna happen either yeah. way. Um, so for me, and my dad, I remember it so intimately because we we were so broke back then. <laughs> like we were, my parents really struggled financially when I was little. Mm. And they had to learn these lessons for themselves too. But we had these little glass like jam jars. And when we would make money from the time we were like five till, you know, till 15, we would put our, our 10% in our jar. And... Oh, my dad was going to hate me for saying this, but <laughs> we were so broke at times that my dad would go into our tithe jars yeah. and he would need the money and, and leave IOUs yep. in there. And he paid it back always. But like, it, I just remember that a picture of the jar and this little notes in it. And uh, what I what I take from it now looking back is that they taught us that it mattered yeah. to pay attention and be intentional 
and that God gave us this. That's right. When we were broke, when we were struggling to afford to eat craft dinner, dad was telling kids, you got to give 10% and was himself giving 10%. You know, even though it was a struggle, even though it wasn't perfect, even it's though powerful. it was messy, mm-hmm. it affected me in a profound way um, at that age, yeah. at that time. Um, you know, at that time, you know, my mom tells a story of of my dad who was doing auto body. Um, and, and we were living in BC and we were little, living in a little basement suite, old rusted out car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And I, of course, will never appreciate it. I don't know. But my dad's passing out at work because he hasn't eaten in three days. And he's working a physical hard job. But in that same timeline, there's a tithe jar in my room. Yeah. As a kid. Like when he didn't have, he still gave. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of how that impacted me. And so to this day now into my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I wish I would have been doing it earlier. Not that we weren't talking about it, but I certainly wasn't being intentional enough about putting a jar or doing the thing like the the physical like lesson and understanding and pointing to it. And so I'm doing it now, yeah. um, where you know we're setting them up bank accounts and we're separating out the, the when they make money that ten percent is going to go, and then talking to them about okay that's the tithe, but the giving is a different thing. Yes, yeah, and that when you give. It will it will be returned to you, shaken down, running over, right? Mm-hmm. And that when you give that ten percent, God blesses the ninety percent, yeah. And that ninety percent will look like abundance in your life, instead of. And this is the mentality: is like you keep a hundred percent and don't give ten percent, you're gonna lose ten percent. Absolutely. So you're gonna be living on ninety percent when you think you got a hundred percent, and that's you're you're gonna live in a orphan mindset you're never going to have enough Mm -hmm. or you can take 100 percent, you can give 10 percent, and your 90 percent will go to 100 percent, and you'll always have 10 percent extra yeah you'll not understand how and i i i have lived this on so many (laughs) levels it's like i'll even to this day when we make ridiculous amounts of money like we are horribly outrageously blessed right i'm so grateful but I'll, we'll go a couple months and I'll go like, it seems like we're spending so much money right now. Like I can't, I need to go over our budget. I need to figure out what's going on. I need to calculate and I'll like be stressed about it and I'll go sit down. And in the meantime, we're giving our 10% always first fruits, first fruits, mm-hmm, first fruits mm-hmm. out the door. Sit down and I do the math and figure out like, oh, no, oh, there's leftover. There's fine. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. It's like, there's no flipping way there should be any money left. Let's not, <laughs> like, it doesn't make no sense. There's no way. Yeah. And there, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Right. And 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 there's been times when when God asked us to give when there wasn't money to give when mm-hmm. when there was just enough at the end of the month to get there. And now I'm going to give money that I don't think I have to give and that we gave and then come out the other side with massive amounts of excess that make no sense and no reason. Yeah. Because all that going on in the background, thousand cattle, thousand hills. There's no end to the abundance. Yeah. He's in control of that. Yeah. So understanding the God's rules for for tithing, for giving, um, and then oh, what was my other comment here that I went into that I was teaching my kids? Oh, that you you need to go out and earn. Yes, it is not it, this whole yeah. culture that we're in with the whole uh, participation trophy. Let's go there. The government yeah. handouts, <laughs> like. That's not a thing. My dad 
never and to this day has never ever given me money just handed it out yeah right it had to be in some way do you know what he did he gave me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to show up and earn it yep right and the lessons that were learned that i remember (laughs) when i was like 12 13 um he was driving truck he just had his his one truck and he took great pride in his truck so he'd bring his truck home on the weekend it'd go in the driveway and we would polish the wheels white lettered the letters on the tires clean his interior out like that thing would get done out beautiful back on the road next week and so as i got older and responsible enough to do it without his help he would say well i'll pay you i'll park in the driveway i'm exhausted i'm gonna go yeah. sleep on the couch yeah and you can do this i'll pay you this much per tire this much per wheel this sort of thing and i and so then i kind of he's given me the entrepreneurial opportunity so i i actually bought my own polishing stuff i got my own gear kept it in my little wooden box that i built for it it's just my little business in a box right yeah and so the one day he was only home for 36 hours he said you want to polish this weekend the weather's looking good hmm. he said i'm coming home but you got this much time I'm like yeah 100 dad i want it I want the money i can do it no problem get invited to a sleepover Nice halo land party. We're all hooked up and our like cables running everywhere <laughs> and our like old 50 inch boob tube TVs where you can't even see what you're shooting the at. The rear projection, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and we stay up all night, four or five o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe got an hour or two sleep, maybe mm-hmm. jacked up on Red Bull. And uh, and so morning comes, I'm, I'm polishing truck all day today. And uh, I remember I got, you know, it's like, three four or five o'clock in the afternoon i'm two-thirds halfway into it and i'm just like i can't i just can't do this i'm too tired you're done exhausted i'm emotionally spent i just i'm frustrated i'm not doing good productive work because i'm a useless sack of garbage and uh and i came in the house and dad i just i don't think i can do this and he said well you said you're gonna do it and this is how much time you have do you still like there's all night if you need it. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to do this or are you not? Because if I can't, if I book you and I can't trust you to get this done. Come on. Yeah. Then, then this isn't like, this can't be the deal. So you committed to this. So you got to finish. So he patted me on the back and took me inside and fed me and said, okay, let's get back after get it. Back I could have said no, like he wasn't going to hold a gun to my head, but it's just like, this ain't, this ain't how we do business. Yeah, that's man. right. Right. That's so And good. so he gave me the pep talk and he sent me back out and I finished and, and it, I, I put it into a new gear click and I, and that's a gear that I had from that day on to go, do you know what? I can yeah. do it. It's not like, Oh no, it's okay. I get that you're tired little guy. Like I'm 12, 13 years old. I'm not yeah. a man. Right. Like, and I see this in my son now, like he's, he's just started kind of working for the company here and there. And you know, the first week he came in and started doing eight hour days this summer, like he was, tired exhausted like that's a lot for a 13 year old boy to come and he's doing pulling weeds in the hot sun and washing trucks and fixing tires he's working hard all day and coveralls and you know day two day three he's tired he's worn out he's dragging his feet into work and i said hey you got you got to put on a positive attitude you got to come to work wanting to work happy to work appreciate the opportunity you have remember Mm -hmm. that you have goals that you're reaching for there's a reason why you're coming to work Um, but you're not going to come here and have a bad attitude. You're not going to drag your butt. You're not going to make excuses why, you know, this is too hard. 
this is a choice. So yeah. put it in that other gear. And, you know, he struggled for a couple of days, but the next week he came to work with smile on his face. He worked harder than he ever worked and he, he found a new gear. Yeah. Right. So he, he is now bigger than he was before. He has mm. a deeper level of grit than he had before. It's the same moment in the same pack of time. He's 13. Yeah. Right. And so that thing that was imparted to me when I was 13, I now get to impart it to my kid. Yeah. I didn't just say, Hey, do you know what? You want a new scooter when you turn 14 or you want a moped? That's no problem. We'll get one for you, yeah. son. It's like, no, you want a scooter? It's 3000 bucks. You're going to work for it. What, what's it going to take? You want that that bad? What do you got to do? How hard is it? How many hours is that? Yeah. Like, how are you going to make this happen? It'd be really very easy for him too to go into entitlement mode as if like, well, it's a family business, so I can just flake off and make it really easy. And I I walked in there the one day and he had his phone out and sitting (laughs) on the thing and I come in there and I come unglued, like politely unglued. And I'm just like, you don't ever. Yeah. No son of mine (laughs) is going to be seen in this building on his flipping cell phone when he's on the clock. That's right. That's right. Never again. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen it since. So like we, as parents, we need to teach our kids work ethic, Mm -hmm. mission, vision. These are what the things are. Like we're we're teaching them the grit. There's the kids these days, they, no one has given them opportunities or pushed them hard enough because it's all about how we feel. That's right. I don't feel like it today. I don't feel well today. I don't want to, like I, you know, it's not about what you want. Yeah. It's about what needs to be done and that you can do it. And mm-hmm. you're not going to learn that you can until you do. Yeah. Yeah. Entitlement will remove our ability to honor. So yeah. if we feel entitled to something, we will never be able to be in the space of stewardship because stewarding is honoring what somebody else is giving you. Yeah. And if we feel that we're entitled to be able to be there or that we're just entitled to a job or we're entitled yeah. to a paycheck, then you lose your ability to see what's specific and intricate about the environment that you're working in. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about the kids too, depositing into them, heard someone say that like what we, it's more important that we deposit into our kids than just giving them things. Cause if you, what we put into our kids will last them through discipline, will last them through values. But if you just give your kids something, mm-hmm. then they will work through the resources without the wisdom on knowing how to navigate yeah. those resources. It's like dropping the lottery on a 14 year old and be like, good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we, you just never, like, if you don't earn something, you never give it the respect it deserves. That's right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's it's no different, I think, in, in being a steward of resources. Like, God, like, be trusted with little, be trusted with much. Yeah. Right? This is, in in, in his case, this is little. Like, how, how hard he works on fixing tarps, washing trucks, pulling weeds is more or less irrelevant in the grand scheme of all the things that are happening here. Mm-hmm. But if I can trust him with little... And he learns that now, then he will later be trusted with much. Yeah. Right. And for me, killing that entitlement and helping him understand that he has to, he has to build himself into the man that he needs to be if he's ever going to lead other men in this Mm -hmm, organization. mm -hmm. It is not just his for the taking. No, no. Right. And I, and I treat myself with the same um, lens. I would say is that the minute that I'm not doing what it takes, the minute that I'm not leading by example, the minute that I don't have my house in order and I can't, and I would try and teach something that I wouldn't myself do or model is the minute that I'm no longer capable of being the lead in that position. You're actually in a long run, you are eliminating like a generational poverty mindset. So I think about like what you were saying about giving out and being of service to other people is that you get locked in that victim mentality. It's like, well, I guess I'll never make that much. Well, I guess I'll never get to that position. Well, the fact is, is that 
like you grew up with mm-hmm. little resources, but because of the modeled example of what depositing and what tithing and giving and living outside of your means looks like, like your position completely flipped and your idea of resources and finances, like no longer living in a in victim mentality. So in the same thing with our kids, it's like if we can model it, discipline it um, and create a regular habit, then our kids' ideas of being locked in poverty or being locked in, oh, I'll never get through this ceiling. It's like completely obliterated. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love it. You could give a little clap just for me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, if you had to choose one practice that changed the trajectory of your financial position, what was that? What would that practice be? We talked a little bit about this discipline-wise, but if you were to go back to one fend- fundamental pivotal point where you're like, man, everything changed after this, would it be related back to giving and tithing? Uh, yeah, there's there's a oh, there's lots of things that have changed. There's been kind of stages, but the one that I go back to is there was a period. Um, when the economy was really, really bad, mm. we were working really, really hard just to survive. Um, cash flow was so tight that on the daily, um, we literally would show up in the morning and we would have, um, say, payroll was going out today and we needed $20,000. Yeah. We just didn't have it. So the way the bank worked at that time is it had to be in the bank by noon to be funded. And if you didn't have it in there by noon, then they bounced it. So it's like, it's already gone out last night. Wow. We're overdrawn yeah. 20,000. And we would go to the mailbox, 11 o'clock in the morning. We'd pray before, like as like this is a team of three of us at the time. My dad, my grandma, and myself were running the whole company. And we would pray and we would go and there would be $20,000 in the yeah. thing in checks. And I'm talking this went on, you know, maybe not every single day, but on a couple times a month, at least two every single day in a week basis for years yeah like multiple years it was like that that's how hard and how tight it was and what i would say i learned that was pivotal about that time is then that god provides Mm -hmm. there's literally nothing i can do i can do all the work i can work 16 18 20 hours a day i can say all the right things i can make all the right decisions um but if that checking in the mail today then it fails. Yeah. And and so it's out of my control. It comes back to a little bit of that control. So one, it's out of my control. Two, God provides. So when God creates a vision, when God sets you on a, on a path, he provides the resources you need to go that way. So if you're inside of his vision and his mission for your life, he will provide for you. So is it going to be pretty always? Is no. it is it going to be rainbows and butterflies lately it feels a little bit that way but back then i had to learn that lesson to let go and let god do his thing and learn to trust him like i did i wouldn't say i trust him before that but after a couple of years of that now when things get like it it never even gets close to as tight as it did then but now when things are like oh things are getting a little tight i don't immediately go to what am i going to do yeah i go god will provide god's got it i don't start stressing i don't start panicking i just know he will because he put us here. Mm-hmm. I've I am doing the best I can to steward the resources he's given me. I think I'm inside of his will. Yeah. So if if that vision or that opportunity or that negative thing that's coming is coming, God has planned for it already. Yeah. So now I just need to be expectant and open-minded to whatever that looks like. 
but that doesn't come without with idle hands or just sitting by like you, you no, know I don't sit done. down put my feet up and go okay God. right but you've done your part like God's not yeah. some genie just sitting there be like okay God I need yeah. you to fill, fulfill this wish but it's like no I've been faithful with mm-hmm. what I've been given I've tithed I've given I've given above and beyond I've done everything I know how to do yeah now it's God's strength yeah, yeah. and it is ask seek look yeah right like knock Yes. Like the door, the door, God opens doors, but like not if you don't knock. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and that's what people do. They said that the analogy my dad used to always say is um, God can't steer a parked car. Right. If it ain't, if you ain't going anywhere, there's no steering going on. If you don't knock on the door, no one's opening. It, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you have to, he said, do the process of poking doors. He said, they're open, but I'm just going to go poke. Oh, that one's mm-hmm. not moving. That's not moving. I'm not going to kick that door down. I'm going to poke it. Yeah. And I'm going to keep poking these doors until the one opens. Oh, this is the one. Yeah. Okay. Let's roll. Yeah. Right. And keep moving ahead. But you got to knock. You got to seek. You got to look. And that's when the expectant mindset is that you are scanning the horizon. You're being active mm-hmm. about the process. You're not just sitting there with your eyes closed, head in the sand, hoping that God figures it out for you. Yeah. Or coming right? up with all the excuses of why it won't work and why yeah. it won't get there. So I have friends that like, used to live in the city that I grew up in and recently talking to them and trying to get them like out of the mindset of that victim mentality. I'm just like, hey, you know what? Well, what if you tried this? And then boom, excuse comes up, mm-hmm. boom, excuse comes up. Yeah, you, you've you got the growth mindset. You're looking for solutions. You're looking for opportunities in the fixed mindsets, just yeah. putting up these blockades and there's excuses everywhere. It's yeah. like, you, that, it's not, <laughs> I can't isn't gonna help you get anywhere. That's it's right. like, how might I yeah. is gonna get you somewhere, right? Um, another big thing that I think is, is something that is tough in our current environment, society, culture, is the understanding of delayed gratification. Yes. It's a huge, huge thing that most people need to understand better is is that as humans, we have the opportunity to understand delayed gratification, okay? That's the difference between humans and animals ultimately is that animals go, ooh, food, bite, eat, Mm -hmm. go, next problem, right? Humans go, ooh, look, food, put salt on it, refrigerate it, and I'll eat it later, Yeah, right? We know that the value of working together means that we can be, we're smarter than that, right? So delayed gratification means I'm not gonna do something now that's gonna hurt my future. Right. But we are an instant gratification society, Amazon, right? I want it now, I want it tomorrow, I want it on my doorstep, I got cash in my hand, I'm gonna burn it. I'll pay more for it to be here quicker. Yeah, Yeah, I'll pay more for it to be here quicker. (laughs) And and it's not an investment, it's a transaction. That's right. We're transactional. Right. And so when we are dealing with money, we need as like we need to teach our kids and we need to ourselves have a discipline to understand that delayed gratification is is part of becoming wealthy. Yes. Um, and that doesn't like that doesn't mean selfishly put money away all the time. That just means that understand now if that on a time horizon, if you invest in something now that isn't going to pay you back. If I take one hundred thousand dollars now and I buy a new truck and trailer mm-hmm. and I put it to work. I don't get anything right now. That's right. Right? It's gone. Like I'm sitting in my office, nothing looks any different to me. In fact, I just made myself a whole bunch more work because I have to go find a load for that guy. I got to hire a guy to put in that truck. I got to put all the gear in it. It's just going to cost, 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 cost. Mm-hmm. But that investment is going to return to me the profit from that truck each month here and forward, which eventually now compounds and piles up and now I could buy another truck. Yeah. That's delayed gratification. When your company has a good year and you make a bunch of money and you go, okay, well, I can take that all out and I can go 
to Cabo and I can go do this and I can buy a fancy new car and, I, and all these these non-tangible assets, like they're not assets, they're liabilities. Yes, that's right. right. So the delayed gratification is doing the thing that doesn't make you super happy or super exciting right now. Yeah. So that on a time horizon, it continues to grow. Yeah. Right. It's an agricultural paradigm. That's yeah. Like, it's yeah. reaping and sowing. Totally. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. So that's the other thing I think is really important is that, and it's delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. That's really all it is. It's like, okay, well, I want this thing now. I want to go out and buy this Lamborghini right now. Well, if I have the money, I could do it. Sure. But what's the consequence? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Uh, I find it absolutely astonishing how many um, payday loan places there yeah. are in the city right next to places that feed into people's weaknesses. And like, it's just laid out like it's almost like we're trying to keep culturally people, acceptable. It's culturally acceptable. And we're trying to keep people at the status quo level where mm -hmm. it's like you're relying on a certain system to stay just here. Yeah. So when it comes to people who are stuck in like a status quo mindset, mindset with their finances, Wealthy or poor, like, what do you think is the deferring factor between people who break out of that mindset or the ones that remain in it? Yeah, I th well, I think it kind of comes back to delayed gratification again, sure. right? It's like uh, uh, drug use, yep. right? Payday loans, these things that they're short-term perspectives. And one thing that I did learn going back to dealing with people in third world countries is there is a survival mindset that gets put in people. Mm -hmm. And when they haven't been taught the idea of investing, reaping and sowing and delayed gratification, then it's just deal with feeling now. Yeah. Right. And so survival mode is like you see people in third world countries get money and you're going, oh, this is your as, as a person who understands this the process. Opportunity. This is your <laughs> this is your out. You yeah. got a couple thousand dollars. If you use this right, you'll never be impoverished again. And then you watch them go out and <laughs> go party and drink and and have this whole big thing and then come back tomorrow back into their poverty and you're like how could you do that yeah you feel like they like you just don't understand but what it is is this, they've been in survival mode so long that they don't think about how to like they're not if they were thinking about if they had the mindset of how am I going to create a plan to get out of poverty they would have already mm -hmm. yeah that's right, right. it might have taken time it might have been slow but they would have made a plan and they would execute on it. But they, because they never have done that and they've been in survival most of the time since they've been born is that they don't think that they're worth more than being an impoverished person. They don't think that it's possible yeah. to get out of it. So when they get this moment, they're going to enjoy the heck out of it right now because they just they don't believe that there is any long-term out solution yeah right living paycheck to paycheck and um a really good book i recommend for this is rich dad poor dad right okay have you, have you read that one yes yeah. it's a really good book and it's the whole rat race thing right get the cheese eat the cheese show up get the cheese eat the cheese show up keep the rat wheel spinning right this is the you know not to go political but this is where the government wants us this is where society wants us Dependent this is where the people yeah. who are the wealthy people that roll that control the whole environment they want us there they want you to borrow for your house and borrow for your car that's and right. borrow, borrow 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 and because who are you borrowing from you're buying from banks you're buying from credit yeah. companies you're buying from financial institutions well how do they make more money they yeah. make more money if you never stop paying for the money you borrow and you're so they get lender. you at that place where you're just satiated enough where you're just getting enough that you kind of fall into this comfortable thing and then you pay them forever and you show up for work every day at eight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the, the mad, the trick is getting out of the cycle of the rat race. Yeah. Quit spinning the wheel, eating the cheese and showing up for the cheese each day, put a little bit of cheese away 
and so that you don't have to go spin that wheel and then plant plant the seeds that you earned yeah and then have them grow so that you can sit back without turning the wheel and watch them grow not even sit back that you're tilling the land and you're doing the work to see multiplication instead of just the bread of today yeah bumper crops yeah yeah Yeah. and money is your slave it's not your master so it goes where you tell it to go yeah it does it does what it what you tell it to do math doesn't lie Mm -hmm. like there's no falsities in this and so by getting down to just the idea that okay when it when i'm I'm financially messed up. I'm like, that's on me because goodness. Look back on the track record of where it all went. It's like, yeah, that was an instant feeling gratification. Mm-hmm. That was spent on something not necessary. And then, yeah. Yeah. And they, like, there's another, I could list 20 books. Sure. Like another yeah. good one's Extreme Ownership. Yep. Um, and and the point there is that you are, you are where you are because of the decisions you've made. Right. Anyway, you slice it and you need to take responsibility for that, for that to change. You're not a victim. Every decision you made have led you to the point of where you are now. Yeah. Right. And the minute that you flip the switch in your mind, that is like every outcome is ultimately my responsibilities. The minute that you start changing it. Right. Yeah. And that, I think that is the thing that people aren't doing. They're not taking extreme ownership of their life and their situation to, make the moves, the changes and the delay, the gratification to the point where it needs to be delayed in order to get out of the hole that they're stuck in. So good. Can I, uh, like this wasn't on our list. So I'm going to side mm-hmm. sideline with this one, but if you were to speak to, um, average truck driver out there, average family man, mm-hmm. average family out there, that's just trying to make ends meet and they're locked in their vocations. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed in that regard. Like what would you say for advice for the average parent out there that's trying to make things happen yeah it's it's, that's a really good question something i think about a lot um i think about it a lot in our current environment right because it's probably harder than it in some ways it's harder than it's ever been in other ways it's not yeah um because with rising interest rates costs and like wherever you are today if you're in a good amount of debt or you've made decisions it's gonna become harder and harder Mm -hmm. and harder to get out yeah right um but it's like planting a tree when's the best time to plant a tree 25 years ago well when's the next best time today right so you do have to take extreme ownership and make extreme ownership and and make the personal changes so just functionally you need to cut the unnecessary costs put enough away to start creating that momentum in your financial life right like where you invest it how you invest it but like even from a more a bigger perspective, usually if you're in a rough financial situation, you're not tithing. And I've met with more people yeah. that are in a rough financial spot and and ask the question, "Well, are you giving ten percent?" Mm-hmm. And they look at you like you're a flipping idiot. Yep. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, well, this is the way the world's built and the way it works, and this is what God says. So don't invest a dime until you've given tithe. That's right. Yeah. Right. And just test it, like please, for the just love. Try just it. try it. You know, <laughs> step out on a limb, and and if you if you believe in in the Christian walk and in Jesus and God and the Bible at all, read about it. Study up on what the Bible says about money because it's all clear as day in there. Yeah. The advice that it gives of how to come out come out the other side of this. Yeah, right. You need to break the chains of of the spirit of mammon of of enslave to money and the idolatry of money you need and and the biggest way to break that chain is to give give it away when you don't think you can that's right right you want to see god work in your finances tithe yep 
start there. Okay, so once you've done that, I would say next look at giving because there's <laughs> giving multiplies. Yeah. You if you give, and again, it's I don't like to say it like math, like okay, well, if you if you need ten thousand dollars, you better give a thousand <laughs> away so you can get that ten thousand. Yeah. I don't like to say it that way, but the the reality is it's almost like that, right? And and if you can put do that faithfully, the big the bigger picture is that you've honestly given it over to God, yeah. and you believe that He's in control of those finances, and His abundance can come to you, and He can trust you with it because you're not just going to serve yourself. You've learned to serve others with your money, yeah. Which means that more money can flow to you because you can be trusted with it, yeah. And part of that, going back to the values of the household and the family, right? So looking mm -hmm. at your family and be like, hey, what are the values of our family? Is this mm -hmm. something that we are going to do as a regular habit? Or is this something that we're going to do flippantly when we have the availability yeah. to do it or not? And then yeah. make it consistent. And what's our money doing? Because yeah. where you spend your money is kind of also where your heart is. And in a lot of cases, like if exactly. you want to filter down to, okay, what are we spending your money on? Well, I need another pair of shoes when you got 30 in the closet, mm -hmm. right? Well, there's people that got no shoes. Yep. And if you're completely oblivious to that, then you need to, again, take a, take a good hard look at biblical principle, right? Yeah. There's people without shoes. Are you helping the least of these? Are you doing what you're called to do with your money or are you serving yourself? So good. Because you'll never ever be trusted with much if you can't be trusted with little. Yeah, just awesome. You had asked about um, what my thoughts were on stocks and crypto. Yeah, and let's go that there. kind of markets. Yeah. And the story that I have about that that's changed my life drastically is really interesting. And it was one of the few times God's really spoken to me on something. Um, and so there was a time when we started having some excess early on. And I thought, well, I don't like, you know, we're doing business, we're doing real estate, and I'm not really in the stock market mm -hmm. or in crypto. And then, you know, all the financial advisors say you had a nice balanced portfolio, you have business income, you have business investments, you have real estate, you have real estate investments, and you have stocks and crypto and, you know, bonds and all these other type of financial functions. So you should have this nice wide portfolio. So I'm going, okay, well, the next thing I need to learn about is stocks and crypto. Mm. So I start reading books about it. I start getting the app on my phone and I'm watching the markets. And then I'm like, okay, I think I know enough that I can kind of start playing here a little bit. Yeah. So I took... $2,000, not a huge amount. And I invested a thousand in a couple of different stocks and I invested a thousand in, in crypto. And uh, so that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm watching. So guess what? Every 15, 20 minutes, I got to flip my phone open and, and there's the app that's telling me how many stocks you're doing today. So how many, 10, 15, 20 times a day, I'm checking yeah. how's the stocks doing, how's the stocks doing. And my wife noticed. Yeah. <laughs> So thankful for her. <laughs> yeah. um, but she said, what do you, like, why are you, like, you're on your phone enough as it is. Mm. What are you doing on there all the time? You seem, like, just irritated and wow, rattled. Wow. And I'm just like, well, I just, I, I invested a couple, and we talked about it before, and so that's partly why she knew. So we've got these these two, and this one's doing good, and this one isn't. I'm just, I'm trying to learn. I'm, the, the lie I'm telling is I'm trying to learn about it. And she's just like, are you sure this is really what, what's best hmm. like maybe you need to look a little harder at this because it doesn't seem like the fruit that god would want with and and it, it seems idolish yeah she yeah, said yeah. so i i actually went okay I, I hear you obviously this is causing causing problems from my personal life and my like and it wasn't a big problem but it was something that would have become could have become could a big have, problem yeah. and so i prayed really hard on it and i asked god you know what 
I'm supposed to be stewarding your money. I feel like I'm being a good steward by trying to multiply it. And, you know, the 10 talents guy, I'm taking the money and I'm finding a way to multiply it. And God said to me, you know, it wasn't like an audible voice or, you know, a letter I got in the mail, but like just meditating in prayer. He said, why would you invest in man's kingdom hmm. where that returns in percentages when you can invest in my kingdom where I return yeah. in multiples? Wow. And I didn't get goosebumps even talking about it now. And it was like such a profound thought because I've read the books. I know the facts. I know the biblical principle It's like, Basically, without being rude, he's going, are you stupid? Hmm. Like, I told you, and you say you believe me, that the kingdom returns in multiples. Yeah. I multiply money. I multiply resources. I multiply time. I multiply love. I multiply things. That's what the kingdom does. And I ask you at times to give money to the kingdom, and it's you've had nothing but abundance yeah. from that. Like, is it direct? Can you, if you're not being intentional, looking at, okay, I'm giving and I'm getting it returned to me. Maybe you don't perceive it, but you're very blessed because you've honored me by giving when I've asked you to give. And so you're going to take money and put it in. A, and it's it really what it is, is it's man's kingdom or God's kingdom. That's right. Right. And what should we be investing in? If God's giving us resources, I'm pretty sure he probably wants us to invest it in his kingdom. Yeah. And so that that was such a profound thought. And and ever since that day, I I I that very minute I pulled all my money out and I we I literally took that two thousand dollars and I gave it away immediately. Wow. As quickly as I could. And and since that time, uh so much more money has been released mm -hmm. to us than like and not just just outrageous amounts of money is yeah. released to us and every year we're able to do more with it to steward it better to multiply it more yeah um it's god's way it's how he works with money for the person that doesn't understand god's kingdom and and that whole idea that's listening mm -hmm. right now like how could a practical person engage in that kind of activity yeah okay so for me uh, i'll go back to that that blessed life book. yeah it's a really really good book the other book is wealth riches and money um which is another good book. The the wealth, riches, and money kind of takeaway for me is that we're supposed to be rivers and not reservoirs. Yes, God doesn't give us money so we can park it in our kingdom. We it's supposed to flow through us into His kingdom. Um, but then in the blessed life, um, in there it asks you to test it. And so I, when I was done reading that book, I said, "You know what, Lord? Um, sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna test you on this." It says in the Bible, "You can test me on this." Those are the exact words. This is the book where he talks about carrying the hundred dollar bills in his wallet, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, so I, I got on my knees and started praying about, okay, God, I want to test you on this. So you tell me where I'm supposed to give and when, and I will do it. And let's see what happens. So pretty quick. And, and I, I meditated and prayed on that for, I don't know how long it took, but it wasn't long. Like within a few days to a week, he said, you're going to give this much money, this much money and this much. So three amounts of money, which was a fairly significant amount of money to yeah. me at the time. Still actually a pretty significant amount of money. And uh, he didn't specify who exactly. He just said, I'm going to tell you, have it ready. Hmm. And the moment that I tell you, and you're going to give it when I tell you. And it's going to be this amount, then this amount, then this amount. So when I tell you, you give this amount. When I tell you. And so, okay, God, it's good. Set it aside. It's like, oh, that's going to be tight. I hope he doesn't make that all go out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And he did. At 
certain moments like i thought it would be one thing and then it did that didn't quite pan out and then another opportunity came out and i, I gave it in so i was while i'm watching i'm expectant i'm waiting for him to speak to me on that which was just in and of itself a great exercise but over the course of four or five months mm -hmm. he had me give these all away and so then they were gone we had enough you know, it hurt a little to give that at the time. And, sure. and we had to make some sacrifices. Interesting, uh, at the time, we were going to take our kids. This was right at the beginning of COVID. So we were going to take our kids to Disneyland. Oh, so goodness. we had, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 kind of set aside for that. And uh, and that was some of the money that went away, right? And so it was like, my <laughs> Ashley was not a huge, the hugest fan of that, but she also trusts yes. God's will and she trusts like when we pray about things and when i say hey, i feel like god's telling me this she'll kind of pray about it and if she feels right about it then we'll move on it so that alignment is huge yeah uh and you gotta understand we've been working really hard yes at the time to get our kids in there right at that age where this is the, the right age to uh, take on and, and everything and so this is before COVID. so we gave all the money away and then COVID hit and within three to four months we would have had our trip booked and they would have canceled it and we wouldn't have got our money back so there's a little tidbit, like God protected that money from yes. being wasted on yeah. nothing yeah. and gave it to, the, to multiply and to give to someone else who was able to like make life-changing differences I at love that, that time. Wow. So that all went down. So time goes by, I go, okay, so I'm testing you, God. Okay, we have enough. We have good abundance. That's great. We're blessed. That mm -hmm. must be it. Almost exactly a year later, 10 times that amount that we gave away showed up in two separate checks um, to almost to the dollar. And we're talking a lot of money. Yeah. Just boom, boom. And God is like, there you go. Wow. And in scenarios that are not unreasonable, but like completely unexpected. Yes. Like there's no way that you should have got a check for that or that shouldn't have been worth that much or it shouldn't have appreciated in value that much by the time I sold it. Like it just the things that happened were just mm -hmm. like, this is obviously just purely nothing to do with anything I did, just showed up on the doorstep. And I went, point taken. Just showing it. off, yeah. <laughs> I got it, okay. So, and and to that end, it's, I've, I, I knew that that was an isolated incident where I was supposed to learn a lesson and that he taught me it. And so it was a little more cut and dry. But I also know from that, that the, t the point is not to play a game with God. Yeah. Right. If, if he doesn't ask me to give money away, I don't just give money away because I want to return to me. I'm looking for the opportunity and praying that God would make it clear where yeah. I can invest in the kingdom when he asks me to. I am aware and I am ready for when the time is right. I don't make my own choices on that because we can really be bad stewards of money giving it away in god's name on our own power. i was just gonna ask you that next question right? and i've done it too there's oh man how long is this gonna go um one more <laughs> quick story we were doing these missions trips to mexico mm -hmm. and uh i'd gone on a couple and we would take uh these these old terrible school buses down that needed fueled like every two hours and there's uncomfortable and they didn't have air conditioning and there's no bathrooms yeah and it just it was a crucible mm -hmm. to go on this mr trip and i've gone a couple times like okay there's got to be a better way so friend of a friend through the church found a tour bus that an old 80s tour bus that they had for sale they basically gave it to us 
we took it in i took it to our mechanic shop we started fixing it up and it, like at first it was like oh like we're gonna put five grand or something into this and then we're gonna have like this is gonna be a wicked deal sure. so then put some money into it the more we take it apart the more problems we find the more problems you find the more problems you find oh i want to kind of look cool too so i got some cool decals on the side we paint the wheels up like this got dvd players in it we get them working yeah. for everybody i'm like this is gonna be sweet it's got a bathroom we're gonna have to stop and be comfortable thirty thousand dollars later yeah. i'm like well that got out of hand but man am i gonna be and this is the secret underlying thing am i gonna be a hero to everybody mm going on this much they're going to be so happy so and i'm literally fighting this bus to the bitter end like to the last hour before we left like i took the bus out for a round make sure everything's working come back headlights don't work and i'm up till three in the morning rewiring things can't figure it out find parts that don't fit and like put new headlights in the things grow them on so it's gonna work it's just utter gong show so i finally i show up with the bus for the mission trip in the morning and i've like barely slept and then on this trip, you work like a dog, like you die. Yes. You're working yeah. so hard on this trip. And then we drive 30 hours there and I'm one of two drivers. So guess guess who's not getting much more sleep. So anyways, we get everyone in the bus. We all loaded up. Everyone's excited. We start going, we head into the border. I lean back in my nice cushy coach chair. <laughs> oh, I can sleep now. It's so good. I lean back. Boom. Me, 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 me. Engine blew up. Oh man. On the bus. It's 40 people in this bus going on this mission trip. And I'm like, Lord, are you kidding me? Mm. Are you kidding me? I did, we gave my own money. I worked so many hours. I did everything to make this good. Like this is going to be such a good thing for this mission trip because they go every six months. This bus is going to serve them for years. Yeah. Like why, Lord? Why? 30 grand? I could have given 30 grand to the, th the thing and the, <laughs> totally what we could have done. <laughs> And uh, so anyways, we rounded up a bunch of vehicles and old buses and we got everyone loaded up and we went on the mission trip. And in hindsight, after I looked at it and thought about it a long time ago, what am I supposed to learn from this? Mm. What is the lesson here? Like, what, like this is, I'm not a victim. No. This happened on purpose yeah. for me to learn something. And the thing in the long run that I felt was, is that I was trying to do it. I was the hero. Yeah. It was about me. It was about that I, you know, I have these resources and assets and I have companies and I can make everyone's life better. And you're all going to like worship the the idol of joy. I'm worshiping right. myself by right. doing this. Ultimate. I wasn't <laughs> doing it because God told me to. I was doing it because I wanted to do something cool. I wanted my legacy to be that I brought this. Yeah. And it's not about me. No. Right. And so I made it about me instead of about the kingdom. And that's the lesson I had. And that's when it blows there. up in your face. And it blows up in your face <laughs> with great suffering. So anyway, there's another story about learning lessons about giving money. And yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When what's the right way and what's the wrong way to do Yeah, it. I guess the question was like, because there are so many people that want to do great things for the kingdom. And mm -hmm. I've seen excessive amounts of people going way out of their way, almost to the point of detriment mm -hmm. to give their peace or what they think God is asking. So like, where's the wisdom in, in the, the defining yeah. line of a healthy amount? For sure. And, and I really think that you need to to be discerning of when God is actually calling you or not. Mm. And I've I've heard talks on this and I've seen it many times as you have these some people that are are working in the church and volunteering their time. So they don't have cash resources necessarily. Right. They're giving their time resources. Yep. And they're literally there every minute of every day. Yeah. And not not to discount that value. Like that is amazing. Right. But 
there's a certain point where like these people often get burned out yep. and they will act out very poorly or things will go bad or the effort that they put in is not doing well. The fruit's not coming. There's no multiplication on it. Mm-hmm. And the question starts being, okay, but did God call you to do this? What's the purpose yeah. for it? Why are you here? Like, I think a lot of times we're doing it to try and appease ourselves. Like we get there and we show up and we put the time in almost like the sackcloth perspective. It's yeah. like, we're just doing, we're doing our time to sacrifice for God's kingdom. And we're, but you're here on your own, on your own strength for your own purposes, trying to appease whatever guilt or problems yeah. that you have in your own life. And God never asked you to do that. And then the people that God's entrusted you who get the leftovers of your energies. Yeah, because it's your own strength. Yeah. If God is your strength and he's called you to do it, he'll provide what you need and you'll see fruit out of it. That's right. So if you're giving your time, you're giving your money, you're giving your resources and you're not seeing fruit and you aren't, there isn't a calling in it and you haven't actually asked God, hey, is this what you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then waited on his discernment or started to move looking for him to direct. Yeah. Then you need to maybe look at your process a little right. bit. Yeah. 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 Wow. Such a good conversation. It is. It's, I, I surely enjoy <laughs> yeah. this conversation and the, and the one that led up to this, Tim. And I appreciate the questions. You you initiated this conversation, which really was yeah. a blessing to me ultimately. Good. And, and hopefully now this will also be a blessing to everyone else who pays attention. Yes, absolutely. On this. Yeah. So, so thanks for having me. Absolutely. So again, Built to Lead podcasts. Uh, if this has been helpful to you, um, if it, it's changed your mindset or added value to you, just ask that you would share it, you would like it, you would comment on it, you engage with us. We love it when we get uh, responses and comments from people. It uh, it shows us that what we're doing has, has value and is making an impact. I know for me at times when I'm just like, why am I even doing this and spending all this time <laughs> that just in that moment where I want to give up, someone I get that little message like, hey, yeah, I really appreciate right it. Track. you did so every time that you're doing that you're blessing us and we really appreciate it so again stewardship over ownership being a a steward of what god gives you and looking for god's calling in your life yes so good have a great day everyone